I think it's a red flag if someone says they're not being mentored. There's not a single solitary person I've ever met who said that they haven't been mentored, who I haven't found a mentor that they've been mentored by when I start talking with them. So I think that everyone is being mentored, um, unless you're like in under a rock or in a cave and you have no human contact. You're likely being mentored. You just don't realize it. Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast, hosted by Andy Lapata, the show where Andy and his guests explore the many ways in which relationships impact business decisions, make leaders' jobs easier, and help you to progress your career. Hello, and welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Andy Lapata. Thank you very much for joining me. We're going back to a topic today that we've explored a few times over the last couple of years on the Connected Leadership Podcast, but we're going to take a different perspective on it. The topic is mentoring, and we're going to be looking at lateral mentoring. Uh, My guest today is the founder of The Mentor Project. It's an organization that I'm very proud to have been part of uh, for probably two or three years now, I would think, um, over most of lockdown and and since then. Uh, It's a US-based organization, but it's global in reach, and it's a voluntary organization designed to provide mentoring and support to school and university students around the world. And my guest has done an amazing job in bringing together a community of phenomenally high achievers. Some of them, if you're a regular uh, listener to the Connected Leadership Podcast, you might recognize some of their names. Um, And we've touched on and mentioned the Mentoring Project in in some conversations on the podcast before. Uh, But this amazing community of of people from the military, from the world of science, uh, Charlie Kamada, the astronaut uh, who was on the show, Ruth Gottian, who was my regular guest uh, a while back and who I'm going to be writing a book about on this very topic um, for coming out next year, uh, and many others, uh, all members of the Mentor Project as well. So my guest has brought all of those amazing people together into this phenomenal community, and we will find out a little bit more about the the Mentoring Project um, or the Mentor Project, as well as all about lateral mentoring from Debbie Heiser. So Debbie, thank you very much for joining me on the Connected Leadership Podcast. Thank you for having me on, Andy. I'm really excited to be here. Well, it is overdue, and that's all my fault. Um, So I'm glad to have you here finally. Um, So we're going to talk about the the Mentor Project in a while, but let's kick off and talk about lateral mentoring, because I wanted to take a slightly different view on mentoring rather than just the same conversations that that I've had with other guests on the show. Um, So you suggested lateral mentoring. So let's start from there. What do you mean by lateral mentoring? So lateral mentoring is a term that I I coined um, after really researching and looking at how people mentor. I was looking at, for example, the tech industry and how they were talking about how they achieved a lot of their big inventions, their big moves that happened. It was all done not by one person or in a hierarchical way. It was done by people seeking help from people they knew, uh, people who they were friends with, or people who had a different expertise than them, but were lateral to them. So a software engineer might hook up with a hardware engineer and create something that you you may be holding in your pocket right now. Um, These sorts of things really got me thinking about the power of mentorship, but in a more organic way that is free 
it's easy and we're doing it. We don't even recognize it. So, so there's a, a, a couple of different things that we can look at in terms of how this differs from the traditional model of mentoring that we all might picture. Uh, so the first thing is the most mentoring we see as hierarchical so that we are mentored by people who have been on the same journey as us, uh, but ahead of us so that they've trod the path before. So that'd be the first big difference, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Can you Do you see a particular benefit to lateral rather than hierarchical mentoring? Do you think they're complementary? And where do you think the power lies? Well, first of all, I think that hierarchical mentoring is great. Like, don't give that up. You know, like, definitely uh, seek that out. But there is an issue with lateral uh, with hierarchical mentoring that does not exist for lateral mentoring, and that is that there's a pressure to go find a mentor, and there's a pressure for mentors to find mentees, and this is something that most people face. We see this with our mentors that they come to us to give back because they have a hard time finding mentees, and uh, so there's this this pull that exists naturally within um, hierarchical mentoring. With lateral mentoring, the big difference is that everyone's all together. You could be in a workplace with somebody and the person that you need to get help from isn't even in your department. They may be in a completely different department. And that's why I think that it's a really, it's the most powerful kind of mentoring. Um, It's one that I'll give you an example. Latanya Kilpatrick, she's one of our mentors. She is the global tech director for Colgate Palmolive. And that's, she was looking at oral health care. And so a person might think, well, you want mentoring, you want to seek advice from somebody, you're going to be looking at someone who's in oral health care. No, she got her most important advice from somebody she sought out in the dog food department of the company. It's completely unthought of. It's not at all something that a person would put together. But it's these sorts of connections that people make that often are the biggest launch. They propel us in a new direction. And it's because we're getting information from someone who's an expert in a completely different area. Their eyes are different when they look at it. It's not colored with, oh, here's what I know about your department. And so navigate in this way. It's just a whole fresh infusion that gets put into place. And time after time, I've heard about how people's careers have been launched, especially entrepreneurs, but also within the corporate environment because they sought lateral mentoring from someone who wasn't even in their department, but held the same um, level of, um, of job that they had. You, you've touched on a topic that's very close to my heart there, uh, one of cognitive diversity. Um, and one of my challenges with traditional mentoring structures is that it tends to be people who have trodden, as I said before, trodden the same path you have before. And therefore, as you say, they're going to see the world in the same way that's inbuilt in that department, in that company, or whatever it might be. Um, whereas, you know, if you're working on toothpaste and you talk to someone in the dog food uh, department, then you're going to have faced different challenges, different conversations. You're in a different bubble to them. So how can we uh, 
how can we really maximize the amount of diversity in our mentoring network to make sure that we are getting all of those different inputs? The biggest thing I've found is that people who reach out to others and who are connecting with others without the thought of mentoring to begin with, but just, hey, I'm going to meet somebody and I'm going to talk with them. Those individuals tend to be mentoring and getting mentorship from others much higher than those who don't do that. So being aware of the opportunity to get help from someone makes us do it more often. So the first barrier that people need to overcome is the barrier of thinking that I'm not going to bother talking to somebody in another department. There's no use. It's, It's not a useful connection. Every connection is useful. Um, an example I'd like to give with that, which may bring clarity to what I'm, I'm mentioning, is that one, one of our mentors, Bill Cheswick, worked for Bell Labs. And for those, of, those who don't know what that is, it was a think tank that was brought about for people to, um, a lot of Nobel laureates came from there, a lot of huge inventions came from there. And he was tasked with um, doing that. Every year they said, you must come up with some big new innovation. And that's a lot of pressure. So at one point, he was working on the firewall, the network firewall. We would not be communicating right now. No one would be listening to this without that. Um, So thank you, Bill. But he um, was tasked with that and didn't know how to do it all. So he wheelied himself in his office chair down the hall to some guy, Steve, and said, Steve, can you look at this and help me out? I, I don't know what I'm I've gotten myself into here, but I'm hitting a wall. Steve said, oh, I know exactly what you need to do. I have this expertise that I will insert here and we can accomplish this goal for you. Those sorts of things only happen when we're willing to move ourselves from our desk to somewhere else and talk to other people. So that guy, Steve, was his friend, but he ended up helping him to, if you look on Wikipedia and other places, that's how the network firewall was started. And it was simply by talking to a friend. And and just focusing in on talking to a friend, when you've explored lateral mentoring, when you've seen people that have really leveraged it effectively, how important are the existing relationships that are in place in our, in, in, to allow them to get that access to the support they need? So, for example, the lady you mentioned who worked for Colgate Palmolive, the person she spoke to in dog foods, was that someone she knew already? And, and would you say that's the common thread, that for lateral mentoring to work, the relationship needs to be there in the first place? Or are there organisations where you're aware of people being able to reach out cold and get the right level of help and support? You can reach out cold, but in most cases, a person has the ability to call that person, whether they know them or not, they know, they feel comfortable to reach out to them. Um, so there is the, so for example, Latanya knew the person in the dog food department. They're not friends that she's talked about. Um, in the case of Bill and Steve, they knew each other. They became friends after. If you look at Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, how they built that big empire, that was lateral mentoring, that they were close friends. So in some cases, it's important to open up your virtual Rolodex and go in and make that cold call. 
but um, it often is an easier task if you know the person. How important do you think reciprocity is in such an environment? If I just put this into context, when I look at um, talking to people who are going to be mentors or, or actually particularly mentees, mentees will often worry about what they have to give to a mentor, give back for the support they're getting. But the point I make is that most mentors will have been mentored themselves earlier in their career and they, they are paying it forward now. Um, and, and they would, they're not expecting anything back other than you take the mentoring seriously, uh, apply what they discuss, and then you then mentor someone else in the future. Lateral mentoring is slightly different, isn't it? So my assumption, uh, and I've probably got to build on this later, but let's just keep it simple because I'm, I'm known for overcomplicating questions. Uh, my assumption is that um, it helps if there is an ability to cross-mentor and support each other. But if the relationship is strong, then that's less uh, necessary. Here's how I look at it. When you're mentoring hierarchically, in both cases, it's always helpful if you know a person, right? Um, and so that makes sense. And you can develop that relationship over time. But the mentee is giving back. If you, if it's a clear mentorship in both directions, so most people don't know or recognize what the mentee is giving, but if I'm mentoring somebody and they throw away what I give, which I believe that a mentors, um, our mentors in the world are our most precious natural resource. They have expertise that if it's lost, it's gone forever. And that's more precious than, you know, oil and gas or coal or anything else. That's something important. And if that mentee is squandering it, then that is something that is their task is to take that information like it's a precious commodity and put it forth in the world because that's really what a mentor is looking for is a, a vessel to take their information and put it out into the world. And some mentees are not good at that. They are there to take it and, and sift through and see what they want and move forward for themselves. That's not a good mentee. The same happens with lateral mentoring. So in lateral mentoring, you may be calling upon somebody and saying, hey, can I help you? Now that doesn't mean, ooh, I put a check mark on the wall and now you owe me. It means that that person in the same way is saying, oh, good. So when, when Bill went to Steve and said, can you help me out with this? Well, Steve now knows that he had a part in making network the network firewall happen. That is big. He knew that Bill took his information that he was sharing with him and did something amazing with it. Um, it can be as simple as a person sharing on a book chapter, things like that. Those sorts of things are what a mentor is looking for the mentee to do. That's the big give back that the mentee is doing. And I think that most people that eludes them. They think, well, what can I possibly be doing? I must have to do something for them. And really the doing for them is carrying it forward. Is there a difference here between lateral mentoring focused around a specific task uh, and a lateral mentoring relationship built uh, uh, upon longer term success, more general role related success? And there's an associated question in my mind, but I'll come back to that. Um, the reason I ask this is I'm in various mastermind groups 
Uh, and I would see mastermind groups as lateral mentoring in, in a group format, effectively. So for those that aren't aware, uh, and you can't see Debbie nodding along uh, and recognizing that, um, mastermind groups, you may have come across action learning sets. It's very similar. I'm in two mastermind groups. One of them is fellow professional speakers. The other is a, uh, a number of learning and development professionals. And we will meet on a regular to semi-regular basis and share our challenges and try and support each other wherever we are on our journey. Now, in that environment, I've always said you're looking for people who can both give to the group and receive from the group. So you need to be at that peer level, whereas a traditional mentoring relationship one-to-one, that's not so necessary. So can you have that? What you've described to me is that task-oriented. So I come to you and say, Debbie, I want to achieve this. Can you help me do that? There's no reciprocity needed. What you're looking for is for me to listen to you, respect what you suggest, and and whether or not I apply it, respect it and and communicate effectively what I'm doing. But if I turn around to you and say, Debbie, look, we're both in a similar stage in our journey. Let's support each other. Then we need to have something to give to each other, don't we? Absolutely. Um, You know, there is something, when you're talking about that, there's something that most of us say, what is the secret sauce to having all of this happen? Well, you're in two mastermind groups. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be able to open up and say to somebody, I need help. And a lot of people have problems with that. They want people to think I've got all my stuff together. I'm not going to go ask anybody for anything because I want them to think I'm super competent. So the one thing that you're mentoring when you say, when you're talking about mentoring and you're saying, Hey, I'm going to go ask somebody for help. The key is that you're feeling vulnerable and that you are re- that you feel comfortable enough to open up and say to somebody, I need help with this. That opens the door immediately to the, it's not reciprocity, but to somebody coming and saying, sure, I will. Um, but that does not mean that you then owe that person, like you were saying in the mastermind. It just means that you now have actually built a stronger relationship with that person um, which is part of the, um, that's, that's sort of the awesome side effect to lateral mentoring is that you have more meaningful connections. Absolutely. And, and if you both come to the party with that vulnerability, then you can support each other. We hope that you're taking away some valuable lessons from this edition of the Connected Leadership Podcast. If you would like support in developing, nurturing, and leveraging strong relationships to support you in your role, please visit andylapata.com forward slash mentoring. I had a mastermind group years ago where every time we were going to meet about a week before, one of my colleagues would phone and he'd go, Andy, I've got no problems to share. I don't know why I'm bothering coming along. And I would say, surely you have something that could be better in your business. And he he would never find something. And then a year later, after we disbanded the group, he, he... turned to me and he said, I'm thinking about closing the business because I can't make it work. And I I was thinking, well, now you tell us yeah. all that time you couldn't be vulnerable. And I think there's, there's a theme here that's coming up that um, is honour what the mentor's intentions are. The mentor wants to help you and you need to honour that. And, and that's probably one of the biggest blockers to this being successful, isn't it? Absolutely. We are our own worst enemies when it comes to mentorship. As soon as we can acknowledge that people want to help us and that we like helping others, 
we do it more and more and more. And as soon as we realize that people are not out to say, gotcha, I, I knew you weren't as competent as you know you were portraying yourself, that's really not what's happening out in the world. People aren't doing that. If you do come across one or two people like that, get them out of your circle. They're not people you want around you anyway. That was a good weed out process. Um, but what you just said is so important. And, and that really does, is the essence of mentoring, even for hierarchical and lateral. Uh, going back to the difference between hierarchical and lateral, you mentioned, well, actually, it's, it's not so much what you mentioned, it's where my brain went <laughs> earlier when you were speaking. Would it be a fair distinction, and it might be an overgeneralization, and I might be completely wrong. I'd be really interested in your take on this. Traditionally, we look at hierarchical mentoring as supporting us in our career, finding someone who has got to the level we want to reach and will help draw us up to that level as well. Is And these are generalizations because you can always provide prove exceptions, um, and you can to that. But would it be a fair generalization to say that hierarchical mentoring is more for your career, lateral mentoring is more for your role, your ability to deliver a project better with different inputs? Because that's what I'm taking from a lot of what you said. I would say that we see hierarchical, hierarchical as only for your career. And that also isn't the case. I think that we are putting mentoring into silos and mentoring should be a spider web. It should be a big web of all the different forms of mentoring that we do. We shouldn't be thinking, I need to go for this form of mentorship right now, or this is the one that I should be focusing on because some of the biggest launches and careers have come from lateral mentoring. Um, and that's because some big explosive idea occurred that made it so that a person was so noticeable that they jumped three levels. However, it is oftentimes the, the slow, steady progress that we get that helps us to build our expertise in a way that you cannot get through lateral mentorship. If you're in a corporate setting, if you're in any kind of a setting where you're with a large group of people, hierarchical mentoring provides you with the understanding of how a network works. And that is something that only a person who is above you can really deliver to you very well, especially if you're in the, that same department. So I think that they're both really important for both, um, but we should be using both. We shouldn't just be relying on one. In which case, how much, how, how, what, uh, trying to think how to phrase this best, to what degree should our mentoring relationships be formalized? where you sit down with someone and you call them my mentor and you have a structured meeting on a regular basis and how much should they be informal? Because that web of mentors, and I look at my own career, I have mentors everywhere. I do have a formal mentor and I have my mastermind groups, but I have people, I've done it uh, in the last couple of days, picking up the phone, having a long conversation with someone about a pricing challenge I have because he's got more experience in that space than I do. So. For someone who's perhaps not as naturally adept at, at picking up the phone and asking in this way, what, where's the balance of formal versus informal mentoring relationships? I think that formal is something that adds stress to us in some cases. So 
I think that it's important that we acknowledge mentors. The more often we do that, the more often we're going to do it. So should there, if you, you could categorize a lot of your mentorships as formal as soon as you have acknowledged them. Um, so I'm going to say that I really think it's important that we seek out someone who's a mentor, that person that we look forward to. We say, I want to be like that person, right? Somebody who has already gone on the path that we're going on. We should be seeking that out. That's a clear formal mentorship because we aren't already close friends with them. We don't have, you know, a relationship that's built up. But it, I do want to say at the same time that formal relationships are occurring with our lateral mentorships as well. And we just don't categorize it that way. We actually take them for granted. And that's why we don't utilize people as often because we don't see them as mentors. We see them as, oh, I grabbed a nugget of information from this friend. And that's really where we are in a disservice to ourselves when we do that. So if we do start formalizing those lateral mentoring relationships, like I do with my mastermind groups, and I've had cross-mentoring relationships with other speakers, do you think that that's going to help us leverage them more effectively? Absolutely. Because when we formalize something, just think about this. When you go and you meet with a formal mentor who's a hierarchical mentor, you're you're making sure that when you go there, you're not wasting that person's time or your own time. And we do the same with lateral mentors. As soon as we know that there's something formal there, we don't waste that time with something superficial that comes into the equation. You know, like you can certainly talk about the weather and lunch and shoes or whatever else you want to talk about, but you're going to get down to business about what it is that you need to learn from them or how you can help them in some way. And that happens much more quickly and is much more concentrated. So would you say that if if you're going to get more benefit from a more agenda-focused relationship, I, I hesitate to use a term I often do, which is transactional, but a more agenda-focused relationship, would you say that it's better to have mentors, whether lateral or hierarchical, with whom you don't have a deep, deep relationship with initially. So there's a little bit of distance there that will allow you both to get down to the nuts and bolts, but also for them to be a bit more blunt with you. I think we can do that all the way through. I think that most people think that, here's what I would say, put your foot in the water, dip your toe in and see what your working relationship with that person can be. If the person is not receptive to your vulnerabilities, move on. And if that, you, you know, you can't know that all the time when you're meeting with someone new. If, if Latanya reached out to the dog food department person and they weren't receptive, she would have moved on. But there was somebody who said, yeah, I, I want to help you out here. So that's where I would say a lot of people are reluctant to do that. Um, but in fact, I don't think that that's reciprocal. I think that that is something that is instead more how we make our friendships. If you are getting on with somebody, it's meaningful and you do more of it, more of it. If it's not working out, you, you, it's, you slough it off. You just say, okay, I'm going to move on to something else. And I think that that's how it works with mentoring as well. 
something we haven't really talked about. You did mention all sort types of mentoring. We focused on hierarchical and we and lateral. And in hierarchical, we're really talking about someone senior to you pulling you up. One thing we haven't talked about is reverse mentoring, uh, where someone who might be a lot more junior to you but has an intimate knowledge of something you don't. Classic examples at the moment are digital natives um, mentoring senior executives on, on that space or, 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 or younger generations talking about sustainability uh, is, is another example I come across a lot. You're working with a lot of young people as well who are being mentored. Do you see much reverse mentoring? Are you seeing an increase in it? And what are the sort of core things we have to be aware of around that space? I do. I think an example is a lot of people bring up tech, but I don't. I bring up social things. So, you know, there was that whole movement, the OK Boomer. People were not understanding what younger generations were seeing, thinking, and feeling. And they have been mentoring older generations to to see and hear and feel what they're, what, where they are. And that's huge with regard to reverse mentoring, because if a person is trying to get a product to launch and they don't understand who the consumer is, they better get mentored by somebody who's in that bracket. And that's where reverse mentoring can make or break something that's out there. It's enormous. And we need to, um, not minimize that and think that it's something superficial, like they're going to get me to log into my windows or something like that. They are um, the, the younger generations who are the mentors are shaping how products are going to come out, how things are going to be looked at, the new words that are being used, all of that. And that's incredibly powerful. And it's also important in that in that generational space to talk about the different generations working in the workplace now and have younger generations come through and explain the differences in in, in working with mil, uh, millennials and Gen Zs, Gen Zs, who have a totally different outlook on the the relationship with their work than uh, Boomers, Gen X, and, and and so forth. Okay, and. Um, while we're looking at different types of mentoring as well, you, you've talked about lateral mentoring, about other people within your organization, and you've given us a couple of examples of that. What about cross, across different companies, uh, uh, between competitors, potentially, or uh, learning from companies in different sectors? Do you see much of that happening? Because it's certainly conversations I've had with some of my clients. You know, I see that those companies who work really well and who have success are those who work with other companies. They partner with other companies. They work in tandem with them because they realize that there's enough room for everybody. And when you have an ally, that is um, going to serve you in the end, as opposed to somebody who is saying, I'm going to close myself off and I'm not going to mentor or work with another organization. Um, it really makes you not a competitor then, but an ally. But but is it something that individuals have to take on themselves? Or are there examples where there are mentoring relationships between companies who might be in a competitive space or a complementary space or in completely different sectors? Because it is something I've raised with, with clients of mine where I've advised them on their mentoring program. And they all like the sound of it, but it's funny. It just always seems 
that step too far, uh, even when you offer to to make it happen for them. Um, companies, when it comes to putting in mentoring programs, tend to go for the lowest, uh, the, the low barrier. Let's just get a matching process in place that works in house first. Um, so, are you seeing cross company, cross sector mentoring happening successfully? I do. And, you know, I will say that there are a lot of companies who really do worry about it and who do put in a sort of um, what is it that I can put in place to say I have mentoring going on, but it really isn't. Um, yeah. What I can say is I'm in the mentoring space, right? And, you know, some people wonder, why do I partner up with people who are doing the same thing that that our organization is? Well, because there are enough people in the world, there are billions of people who can use mentoring. And there's enough space for everybody. It also helps us to, if there's something new that comes along that doesn't quite fit for our organization, we can say, oh, here we know somebody who does that. Um, And it's not just this organization. That, um, with regard to the Mentor Project, it's also, I've seen that in other organizations and other groups like psychologists, physicians. other service industries do that very well. I think that the the place that it's least done, and I could be wrong with this, is in the corporate setting. But mostly, if you see all the other organizations, they are doing that, and it's working well. Yeah, and, and that would be my take as well. I, I mean, I've mentioned speakers, and, and we do it as a matter of course. And it was interesting a few years ago when I delivered a, a keynote for an event for the fitness industry and the fitness industry would do mastermind groups and similar types of things that we were as speakers and I've seen similar in the property industry as well but I think it's entrepreneurs who are running smaller businesses are more likely to do it for themselves than an organization with a big HR department set something up that is going to work across different companies and sex and I think there's a, a potentially a huge uh, a huge gap there. Uh, I'm going to get you to chat about the Mentor Project in a minute, but before I do, one more question just generally on, on mentoring and, and effective mentoring. It amazes me how often I will ask uh, people in my audience to put their hands up if they're being mentored and then put their hands up if they are a mentor, and it's always different people. The crossover of mentors who are also being mentored is staggeringly low in my experience. Is that your experience too? And and what is it about people who reach a certain level and switch uh, rather than recognizing the ongoing value of being mentored as well as mentoring other people? I think it's a red flag if someone says they're not being mentored. There's not a single solitary person I've ever met who's said that they haven't been mentored who I haven't found a mentor that they've been mentored by when I start talking with them. So I think that everyone is being mentored um, unless you're like in under a rock or in a cave and you have no human contact, you're likely being mentored. You just don't realize it. And so that for me is always a red flag because I do ask that question too. Are you being mentored and do you mentor? Most people are doing both. But not necessarily putting the label on it. Exactly. Most people don't know it. And I'll be quite honest that when you don't realize you're mentoring, it it is a loss for you because you don't get to feel like you're making a, an imprint in the world. You're, you're not making a mark in the world. What's your relevance or value or, or, or things like that. And I see people 
in, in practices in, in my practice where that is a big problem for people. It's the outliers, the people who aren't naturally doing that sort of thing where they don't feel like they are leaving a mark on the world. They've checked all the boxes in their life. They've done everything they're supposed to, but there's something missing. And as soon as they can make those connections that they are, that they matter, you know, it's like the, it's a wonderful life movie where he finally realizes he mattered. Uh, The world was different without him in it. That's what we go through too. And and that's the example that I'll give for um, people not understanding that they're mentoring, but they are. So tell us about the Mentor Project. Uh, I've explained that it's a, a global voluntary organization um, that's bringing these great experts from all different backgrounds to, to mentor um, kids of all ages right the way through from, from, um, from the earliest ages right the way through to university. What led you to, to start it up? I'm a psychologist, an applied developmental psychologist. I look at not pathology, like most people who are clinical psychologists. I look at what it is that we can expect or have to look forward to. So most people think of a developmental psychologist looking at kids who are, you know, walking and talking. I look at midlife and beyond and what are those emotional things that we need to look forward to. One of the biggest things that is a positive thing that we can look forward to is the desire to give back. You can do that in three ways. That can be through philanthropy, mentoring, or volunteering. And mentoring is the only one where you get to write the script on how you're giving back in terms of your own expertise making it out into the world. So when I met up with um, individuals, I, I was interviewing about 45 people um, on mentoring from you know military to grandmas, and it's all the same. And um, a big inventor, Bob Cousins, who is the guy who patented how we use credit cards on the internet, he said how hard it is to get mentees. You know, it's very hard if you are someone who works individually or in an area where you're not around kids to be able to give back. So we started a very small group with Bill Cheswick as well. He's the network firewall. Um, the father of that. Um, And we were doing really well. And we thought, well, here we go. We have a couple of people who like to mentor. Well, it became a snowball. And it turns out that people all over were saying, I also can't find people to mentor. I'd like to join. And now we have over 113. It went from 10 to um, 80 within six months. And then we've had to slow the process down of taking on new mentors. But we found that, in fact, there's a huge need to give back. And um, that's what the Mentor Project does. And that's why it was formed, just organically. I I love it. You would assume, and I don't think I've ever had the conversation with you, Debbie, about how it came about. I, I would assume that any organization that's designed to bring mentors together with with children would have been focused on the needs of the kids to have a mentor and benefit from it. And it's really interesting that it's the reverse. It's actually the needs of the mentors to have someone to share their knowledge with. And this goes to something that I've always said, and that is that I've always had more pleasure or derived more pleasure from giving to someone than from receiving. Yes, and as a psych- as a psychologist, do you think it goes to that that we need to be able to give? We need to be able to support other people, and and that's where we derive 
a lot of our self-worth from? That's a developmental need, just like walking and talking is the desire to give back. And it's because it's our legacy. We mattered. We, um, it's the, if anybody has um, seen a Christmas, it's a, a Christmas carol and Ebenezer Scrooge, he didn't re- have any joy. He was a self-made man. He had, was a, you know, had a mansion, people taking care of all of his needs. And he was unhappy. It wasn't until he was giving back that he got that joy. And it's exactly the way it works in real life. And so when you say, yeah, that need is there, is that there? Yes, it is. It's loud and clear. And it's an actual developmental stage that we go through where we hit a stage in midlife where we want to give back. And that's because we all of a sudden look around and we say, oh my gosh, do I matter? Did everything I did through my whole life matter? And that's when we start to want to seek out people who can hold our knowledge and take it forward and move it into a direction that means something to us. So the meaningful part for mentors is that we have to feel like who we're giving back to will take what we have and do what what we see is the right thing to do with it. Well, Debbie, I think that's great. And through the Mentor Project and all the work you're doing, you're definitely giving back and enabling other people to do so as well. And you're giving back to us today. So thank you so much for joining me on the Connected Leadership Podcast. Thank you for having me. It was a real pleasure. So thanks to Debbie for joining me. Uh, It it was interesting to hear this term lateral mentoring because it it makes perfect sense to me. And I guess there's a bit of a, a, a disconnect here because... I think it helps to have that label to put on it and to position it. And one of the key things you got from Debbie is that you don't put a label on everything, just have the conversations. Um, But at the same time, think about it, have some focus and and formalise it. So I think it's about getting that mix of not overthinking it, but asking yourself, am I reaching out? Am I talking to the right people? Have I got people that can give me that different perspective, that different insight and actually go out and ask for the help and, and look for... Um, hierarchical mentors, uh, look for lateral mentors, look for reverse mentors, um, and and make them as formal as you can, uh, you know, as you're comfortable with, a way that's just going to give you your your return. Um, So wherever you're at, look at both sides of the coin, both being a mentee and a mentor. Start from saying to yourself, what support do I need in my career, in my role, on the project I'm working on at the moment, and who can I ask for help? Get mentored. And then look for your opportunity to give back. Um, Look for people around you, maybe more junior. One of the things I didn't get into with Debbie, but we've talked about in other podcasts, is there's a lot of advice that I would agree with, that it's not necessarily people in your direct team, your direct line that should mentor you, or you should be mentoring because of a conflict of interest, but find people in the organisation or externally, family, friends, friends' kids as well, and offer your services. Uh, reach out to your HR department, ask about a formal mentoring program and look for organisations like Debbie's Mentor Project where you can put yourself forward as well as a mentor so that you can give back and you can fulfil that side of the equation, those needs for you as well. So thank you again to Debbie. I hope that's given you lots of food for thought. Join me again next week for another episode of the Connected Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Connected Leadership Podcast. If you found this valuable, please subscribe. 
tell your colleagues and friends, share on social media, and post a review on the podcast channel you use to listen to it. And of course, join 